This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. We're going to do something that comes from a tradition of a minister that passed away in 2003 that's meant a lot to me and Angie's life. His name is Derek Prince and uh, an amazing Bible teacher. He's all over YouTube and they're still selling books. He's still uh, making books, too. It's amazing. Um, the ministry keeps releasing more books by him. Uh, literally, this year was a new book. And I think that's amazing that a ministry could last that long. But what he used to teach is the power of proclamation. When Angie and I went to Israel um, back in 2008, one thing that really stuck out to us is at the Temple Mount, there is all kinds of ruckus going on over there. Loudspeakers and chants. The Muslims are doing their declaration five times a day, and the Catholic Church does their prayers, and people are praying at the wall, and there's uh, people teaming back and forth all over the Temple Mount. And I just, we just really saw it as like a war of proclamations. Who's going to get the upper hand? So this morning, if you'd like to follow along with us, it's Hebrews uh, 10, 23 through 25, We're going to read this together because it also has our main verse that we're going to talk about this morning. You ready, my darling? Mm -hmm. Okay. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Thank you, sweetheart, for doing that with me. Awesome. Let's give Angie one more round of applause. See, what I believe is when we declare those things in unison, that it sets the atmosphere. So why don't we pray together real fast as we open up the word in a minute. Father, I just thank you that you are amazing. You are amazing. And we pause just another moment to say you're amazing. And today, as we dig into your word, we just thank you that your truth comes alive within our hearts. And God, I just declare that I know from the study and the impression and the words you've given me that I will preach your truth today. And Lord, that we would all leave never the same. And we're boldly going to say that you are Lord Jesus, and we can't do it without you. And the mighty matchless, amazing, greatest name in the whole world and universe, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we all say amen. Now can we give him some praise this morning? Amen. All right. So let's go back to Hebrews 10.25. Let's look at that one more time. You can look online with you. It says here, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Whose return? Jesus' return. It says, don't neglect your meeting together. So I want to give you kudos this morning. I want to say amazing job. You got up, you got dressed, you came to church. And if you have small children like we do, you know what? You made it. Good job, parents. You did it one more time this morning. And some of you had some intense fellowship. I don't call it fighting. We're Christians. It's intense fellowship in the car on the way over here this morning. But it's okay. Breathe a sigh of relief because there's something else at work trying to get you not to meet with each other, trying to get you not to be here. 
and it's the enemy himself. But see, what happens is life gets in the way. Life gets in the way. And suddenly we find that we don't go over to that person's house when they invite us. Or when our groups of friends go out to a restaurant, we send a text last second saying, sorry, I can't make it. And then it becomes three texts and maybe four texts. Sorry, I can't make it. Or I'm so exhausted and overwhelmed like Pastor Rob was talking about this morning that I just can't bear to get together with someone else right now because I'm hurting so much. Well, I'm here to tell you that our culture as a whole is getting away from that verse. Let us not neglect. And it's harming us. Psychologists today are showing us that harm. They're starting to do studies on loneliness and depression in a big way. And what they're finding is shocking to them. For instance, I came across a statistic in one of the articles I read. It says, since the 1980s, people who report loneliness has increased from about 14 to 20% to 40% last year. I want you to think about this. If we surveyed this room, that means if you cut right down the middle right here and went over, that almost every person on this side of the congregation reported that they're lonely. The title of that article was The Loneliness Epidemic. I'm not going to ask you to raise hands this morning. But I think if we polled the audience and I asked you to do that, something tells me that maybe 40% of you are dealing with some form of loneliness today. And there's a couple reasons for that, actually. And based on my research and what I've looked at, I used to be a research analyst in stocks and things of that nature, so I like research even though I like to talk so much. And uh, it's a powerful combination. We have to, you know, tame that back a little bit sometimes. But what I found out is that it's two main things. It's two main cultural issues that we're dealing with today. One, and primary, 60-plus percent of the problem is advertising. What does advertising tell us today, y'all? Da-da-da-da-da. I'm loving it. I'm. Have it your way. Your way. I saw a Diet Coke commercial recently. Beautiful actress is on there. She's getting a Diet Coke. It's like this big out of the, out of the freezer. And... She takes a drink of it. It's Diet Coke, by the way. Just keep that in mind as I tell this story. And she's like, mmm. And she's checking out and talking. The guy at the counter looks like it's completely normal for someone to be talking to a camera while she's getting, you know, the Diet Coke. And she takes a drink. She says, you know, I'm drinking a Diet Coke. I mean, what in the world? I mean, if it feels good to you, then do it. I literally had my mouth drop in the theater when that commercial was on. They showed it like five times. First of all, it's Diet Coke. I mean, does Diet Coke really taste good? I mean, I've been trying to figure that out ever since the commercial. Anyway, but that's not about Diet Coke this morning. The point is that we literally have advertising that's not just gone to uh, appealing to the sense of self and what you want and how you want it. Because, guys, we like Starbucks, don't we? Amen, sister. I heard it in the back. So high five from afar. I, I love Starbucks, too. I think it's great. 
I enjoy it. And you know what's great about Starbucks is it's consistent and it's the same no matter where you go in the world. In Ireland, I go to Starbucks, I get a cappuccino, it tastes exactly the same as if I go to San Francisco and get a Starbucks. I've done both, by the way. It's a problem. But, um, but here's the thing. Something is getting extreme when I can go to Starbucks and I can go up to the counter and every person that just ordered in front of me has it customized to their preference, to their heat, to the amount of sugar that they're going to drink, to how much foam they have, right? And now, guess what? We don't even have to talk to anybody to do it. Now we can just go online. And I've done it. I'm Mr. Efficient, by the way. I don't know, Pastor Rob rivals me a little bit, I think. But uh, I, I, I'm like, okay, so it's going to take me, I pull up my, my map on my phone, it's going to take me literally like 7 minutes and 42 seconds to get to Starbucks from my house. So I'm going to order now, and by the time I get there, it'll be done. I've literally done that. Who's done stuff like that before? Come on, thank God for Panera Bread with the small children, guys. We order it, we order it in the parking lot. I'm doing it right now. We're going in. We're going solo. We can walk in, we, we get the bag, and then we go home. The reason why I'm pointing this out is not that technology is bad. Technology isn't bad. The problem is, is that we, we've been propagandized. Everything we hear today, guys, is about us individually. Everything. And what that does is subliminally, even the most unselfish of us in the, in the congregation today, and there are some great, you amazing people that don't talk too much. You put up with people like me, and you always serve, like Connie Branch. God bless you, Connie. Now, let's give her a hand. So, you know, and, and, you know, people that are like her, like my wife, that I just... I get so humbled when I'm around them because they serve other people. But guess what? Even down to the Connie branches of this world, guys, we're infiltrated with selfishness. And it's not selfishness because you know what? It's not proactive, really. It's subliminal. It's underlying. And it's taking us away from thinking of the other person, all this advertising. And it's getting us to have a self-centered worldview. But what's the problem? I can't find self-centered worldviews in here. And even though technology's not bad, it's neutral, and even though it's not wrong to to get my decaf one-pump vanilla latte, can I get a hallelujah? Anyway, you know, it's not wrong for me to do that. The problem is, is if we don't read this more than we're watching TV, we're going to slowly slowly, subliminally, unintentionally deceive ourselves into thinking it's about us. I mean, it gets so bad sometimes, guys. You've heard about first world problems. Forgive me, Sunday school. I know I said this this morning, but we talk about first world problems a lot. Like, why won't my Keurig machine go faster? (laughs) It's funny, guys. Come on. I was in the bathtub, and I won't describe anything more, but I I was talking about that, uh, and, and I was like, why does it take so long for my bathtub to fill up? Oh, Why do I have to put my t- push my toes down twice? Why is my microwave taking so long? These are things that only Americans think of. <laughs> and I've spent a lot of time on that this morning because that's the basis. The reason why we don't get together is because we're slowly, subliminally 
being propagandized. And it's causing us to more and more stay away from the group and focus on ourselves. But there was a day and age, some 30, 40 years ago, and I got some of my family here today. Thank you, Mom and Dad. Ben, bro, thanks for being here today to support me. I love you so much. And um, my, my parents, my parents, they described when they were young, younger than me now, I'll be 40 next year, um, they used to just get together with people every Friday, and they would play cards for six hours. And what some of you are already thinking, what did you do with the children? Well, they just put them down, me, down in the basement. We played. They have basements. Don't worry, it's not some psycho killer thing. It's like, they have basements in the north, okay? We don't really have basements. But we'd go play down in the basement, and they would play cards for like six hours. Six hours. Did you hear that? Six hours, and the children, it would be so long, we would just fall asleep and pass out somewhere downstairs, and then they'd go collect the kids and hack them over the shoulder and go home. When was the last time you spent six hours doing anything? Except, no, don't, don't raise your hand and say Netflix, that doesn't, stop. that doesn't count. So, but instead, we do watch Netflix, don't we? We binge watch it. And... That really hit me about five months ago, four months ago, when my parents said that. I'm like, wow, we've lost something. And today, what happens is, I haven't even really gotten into the full message yet, but I promise I'm going somewhere. Today, you know what I hear when I invite people over? Or someone invites me to go, or a group? I hear, how long is it going to take? That's number one. When does it end? That's another way of saying it. And what do you think the second thing is? What are we going to do? But I want to submit to you today, for those of you that have more gray hair than me, is 30, 40 years ago, it didn't matter what you did. You just got together. But Zach, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I'm overwhelmed, I'm busy, I'm working, I have kids and life, and I don't even have time to cook, how am I going to just go hang out with people? Well, maybe, guys, maybe, just maybe, please, I'm trying not to be too, too direct, I'm trying not to, I promise I'm not. Maybe we need to change our lifestyle. Are you smelling what I'm stepping in this morning? <laughs> Christina laughs at me, doesn't she? She's actually waiting for me to fall off the stage. Um, you guys still with me? So let me read you a couple more things from that study, and then we'll get into the word together. Loneliness leads to depression brought about by fear of isolation. When you have fear, what are you doing? You're focusing on yourself instead of God. Isolation leads to the need to protect oneself. Lonely people become more self-centered and introverted. They know that now. This is scientific. This isn't theory anymore. They know that this happens. Isolation's problem. When you isolate yourself and take yourself from the group, think about predators and prey. 
You see those happy gazelles, you know, bouncing out down on the savanna. Well, what do the lions try to do? Separate the weak one so they can what? Eat it. Take it out. What do you think the devil tries to do? Is the devil really powerful with Christians if they're walking in Christ? No. We have to respect the predator, okay? But as long as we're in the zone with Jesus, we don't have to worry about the devil. It's when we get out of the zone, and I would submit to you today, when you get out of the group, then you become a sitting duck for the enemy's work. So if you feel like the devil's getting involved too much in your situation, well, first of all, let's make sure that we're living in Christ according to the word of God as much as you know how to. Nobody's perfect, by the way. But then secondly, if you know that this, you got this going, and you're listening to the Holy Spirit, well, maybe you're not spending enough, enough time with other believers, and that's what Small Group Sunday is all about. Maybe. Let me read one more quote, then we're going to pull up some scripture together, okay? The loneliness epidemic suggests something far bigger, that millions of people are suffering from a crisis of meaning. People need something to live for, some why to get them through the good and bad of life. And for most people, this is a secular article, that something is their relationships to family, friends, and community. Scientific, guys. Now, I might be preaching to the choir today, but it seems like something, we've lost something in church, and you've heard it say, and I think, pretty sure Dr. Leon's going to say it in about a month, too. Guys, when I was a teenager, the minimum requirement of what you would consider a church-going Christian, I was in a Baptist church, was Wednesday night service for the youth, the parents had a business meeting, okay, Sunday morning, sometimes you'd have men's breakfast on Sunday morning, that means the men were getting there at 5 and 6 o'clock using the kitchen, then you would have Sunday school, so look where I am already, three meetings, right? Then you would have church service, okay? And then you would have Sunday night service. Now, that was five meetings, so let's take away one for the men's breakfast because, sorry ladies, you probably didn't want to go anyway to the men's breakfast, but that's four meetings a week. And you know what I remember? Everybody did it. Am I right, Pastor Bob? So I'm just submitting to you. I'm just suggesting today. I'm suggesting to you all online, and it might be why we feel lonely, because we're not getting together as much. Now, I'm not saying we've got to have a bunch of services. We're about to talk about that. There are other ways you can do this. But I want you to think this morning. I might be overwhelmed because I'm not getting together with other people enough. There's something emotionally that happens to us when we take ourselves away from the group. Amen? So there are a couple pictures I want you to think. I'm gonna go through this quick, but we're not just saved out of something. We talk a lot about that in church. Okay, that's great. We are saved out of stuff. And if we can pull up 1 John 2, 16, this is the kind of stuff we're, we're saved out of. And um, 
there it is. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. All right? That's what we're saved out of. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Another way you could put it is we're saved out of the world when we come to Jesus, and out of sin, the flesh, and away from the devil. You have been redeemed from the hand of the devil if you believe in the blood of Jesus and paying the price for you this morning. Isn't that great news? You don't have to put up with what the devil deals with. You don't even have to put up with your own issues. You say, but Zach, I have an addiction. Zach, I can't help myself. Zach, they did something to me. No, I can't forgive my dad. No, I can't forgive those people. No, I don't want to get together with people because they've hurt me. Guess what? God's grace is greater than all of those excuses. And when we take ourselves out of the crowd of believers because of them, whatever they are, we're saying that we know better than God's word. So we're not just saved out of something, we're saved into something. So if we can go to Ephesians 1.5, I love this verse, it's amazing. It says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted to do. God wanted to do it, and it gave him great what? Pleasure. God got, God got excited. He did a happy dance like Lauren did this morning. I like that, by the way. I was before my time, Lauren. But God's doing a happy dance. When you become part of his family, he's doing the happy dance. He's excited. He said, I had fellowship with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus, but guess what? It wasn't enough for me. I want to expand the view. I want to get a bigger view of this thing. I want to bring more people that I can have family with. Most of us hate going to even the Thanksgiving. It's the last time I preached was on thankfulness. But God has saved us into a family, guys. And in the New Testament, you got to understand, the people in ancient Israel lived from a community mindset. It was communal. They thought, they thought, what I do affects the rest of my family. That's the way they thought. That's why it says, like I said in Sunday school this morning, that's why it says in Acts over and over again that you and your whole household will be saved. Well, look, if you got the leader of the household, the matriarch, the patriarch, the older brother, whoever was the leader, and got them to come to Jesus, guess what would probably automatically happen? The rest of the whole family would change their religion overnight. But in our culture, it's so much harder, guys, because we are inoculated with selfishness. What, how does this pertain to me? That, you know, if someone gets saved out of, out of the world into Jesus, that doesn't mean the rest of the family will be. So it's harder. That's one reason why the ancient world, so many people came to Jesus. Not only were the miracles more prevalent, not only was the boldness of the preaching better, or bigger, I should say, sorry, uh, bigger, it was the fact that this was a community-minded culture, communal so more, lots and lots of people. If you go to Japan today and somebody wants to get married, they say, I got to ask my grandfather first. You see the difference in our culture? If you go to the Middle East, you're betrothed 
to be married ahead of time. Your family picks your spouse. Who wants to do that? Some parents in here are like, Lord Jesus, please let it change. I want to do that um, with your teenagers. You'll get them through it. And I'm not saying this is wrong or right, guys. I'm just saying that we're at a disadvantage compared to what the Bible says. You know why? Because we don't have a community-minded thought process. So when we read the word, most of the yous, and great job, Southerners, we're in the South, right? Most of the yous in the New Testament are y'alls. Y'alls, I heard it. They're you-alls. And so even in our language, it's hard to translate properly because you can be plural or it can be singular. But it's you all. You all are the body of Christ together. So imagine if I came, came in here without a leg. I'm trying to, you know, with no arm. You know, or how about no legs and no arms? Trying to, you know, kind of, you know, um, try, to, try to pull myself in. You know, th- that's what's happening when we don't get together. I need that finger, not the middle finger. And I, I need the, I, I need, uh, some of you catch that in a second, but I, 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 need, I, I need more than just a mouth. Right, pastors? I need the hands and feet. There are four limbs and one mouth. <laughs> Get a revelation this morning. We got this. So there are two gatherings in Scripture. In Acts 5, 42, let me paraphrase. So we have to roll on. They met. Oh, you're doing a great job, Alex. I love it. And, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they continue to teach and preach the message. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is Christ. That's another way you can do it. So, and it says here that they met every day. Does that challenge anybody? See, back then they didn't have these big old houses like we Americans do, Okay. I mean every one of us in this room, by the way, everybody. They had a room. They slept in there at night. The rest of the time, everything was outside. They cooked together. They cleaned together. They did games together. They watched their kids together. They worked together, and then they went back into that little hobble to sleep. That's all they did. Everything else was dependent on the rest of the group. Think about that. But today, guys, we could lock ourselves in our, in our room inside our house and order Amazon products and live just fine. I will survive, right? Never have to see anybody. Never have to contact anybody. They just bring me packages, right? You see the disadvantage we have? Again, it's not wrong to order Amazon. I order a lot lot of Amazon. Sorry, Angie. So here's the neat thing. Now, I'm about to go into the part of my message where I'm about to sound a little critical. And I, I, I want you to know up front, I'm not trying to be critical, okay? I'm not. I just want to point out another extreme. Humans are given to extremes. We are. You are. Watching by, by TV or by Facebook, we all are. We're given to extremes. It's just how it is. You know, we get corrected just a little bit, and we just go all the way to the other. Well, fine. I just won't ever say anything. <laughs> right? It's a little tweak. We get extreme. Or, yeah, you were really off-key in that one part. I used to act like this. Off-key in that one part back when I was leading worship. Sorry, Pastor Rob. And, but fine, I was just, it was ho- the whole thing was horrible. I, shouldn't, I should never do this ever again. That's how I used to act. Why are we like that? I say, Angie, I, I have, uh, what's my problem? And what do you say, sweetheart? She goes, you have problems. <laughs> That's why we need Jesus. 
But here's the thing. I need other people to tell me what's wrong with me. Do you think I'm going to get a clue on my own? Come on, wives. Man, maybe if I just take this, if I just take this book over here and I just highlight it and I, and, you know, and I, get, I get a few words in there and then I just... Maybe amazingly, epiphanally, my husband will sit down at the glorious time in front of my Bible, pick up that one place that's highlighted, and his life will ever, never be the same again. You know, yeah, has it happened? I'm sure it has, but guys... <laughs> We got we got to be realistic. Most of us aren't going to get it all out of a book. I need my pastor. I need Marilyn. I need my wife. And then even almost at 40 years old, I need my parents. When I was praying during worship at the end, I heard the Holy Spirit say inside of me, I love you, son. And even if I don't get through my entire outline today, guys, I want you to know that God loves, loves you because you're here. You're in the family. You're wanted. He takes pleasure in you being here. When you go to each other's houses, when you sign up for small groups, like I know you're going to do later, see the sales, sales tactics, I know you will. He takes pleasure in that. But see, in the, in the old days, in Acts 5.42, it says they met every day, house to house, and in the temple. So this is like the temple, guys. This is like the temple in here. They came to hear the apostles preach. They came to demonstrate publicly that they were a group. They were committed together in harmony. And a lot of people could go to the temple. It's a big place if you ever go to Israel. It's a big temple mount. And that made an impression on the people in Israel. But what happened was they had synagogues too and the elders in their communities, everybody would go on Saturday to the synagogue in smaller groups. But see, Constantine, who remembers Emperor Constantine in, in Rome? They said he converted, but he really didn't. Christianity was making so many inroads, it was literally taking over the empire as far as the worldview goes. So what Constantine did in order to keep everything together is he said he converted to Christianity, and then you know what he did? He institutionalized Christianity. It got away from the group, the small group. By the way, they used to meet all night and then go to work the next day. Who's feeling convicted? And he brought it into the public, into the pagan temple. And it and it didn't become about the small group anymore, guys, which it was primarily about the small group, even in ancient Israel. They only had to go to the temple once a year, by the way. So it was all small groups. That's where our religion started. 
They didn't even have a temple for like the first thousand years. It was small groups. But Constantine said, I got to keep this thing together. These people are taking over the world, the empire. So I'm going to institutionalize so I can control how people get their religion. This is the part where I'm sounding critical. I don't mean to be critical. Remember, we're supposed to meet in the temple too, okay? Remember that. Stay with me. But guys, it became a spectator sport. You sit and you listen to the professionals lead you. That sounds really critical. And I don't mean for it to because I love coming to service, okay? I love getting that corporate worship. I love listening to those powerful speakers speak to me. But guys... That was the exception and not the rule until Constantine. That's why they used to have to write a letter and pass it all over the place because the apostles literally couldn't go to every house church. And that's why they would pack into these places in hiding with people sitting in the rafters, falling out, and Paul having to raise people from the dead. By the way, you can preach all night if you can raise people from the dead. That's the qualification. So here... You know, that's what we're doing. And I know you're probably feeling a little convicted. The way Judaism and the early church started was in a small group in the Gentile world. It started in Jerusalem in a big group. 3,000 people got saved on the day of Pentecost. But from then on out, it was starting churches everywhere they went throughout the Gentile empire and multiplying small groups and raising up more and more elders all over the city. That's the thrust. But Constantine stole something from us. And it, and it went through into Luther, and it stayed the same. So what I love about our bylaws, if you want to call it that, and our teaching here in class 201 and in small group leader training, you know what we say in this church? That this is a church of small groups, not with small groups. The small group is not the sideshow. It's the real place. It's the place where everything gets going. It's the place where it begins. It's the place where all of you can use your giftings with one another. And remember in uh, Hebrews 10, it says, where you can be encouraged regularly because they know you. They look at you in the eye and can tell on your face the way you talk, the way you sound, if you're with them, if you're okay. Guys, you know, if we just do the temple, I love the temple. I love coming into service. I love it. I love it. It's awesome. Remember, I'm not trying to be critical, but if all, if all we do is come in here and we sit down, we stand up, we sit down, we stand up, we say hi, we sit down, we stand up and leave, guys, who's going to know us? But then we get mad at the pastors because we don't feel fed. Somebody's getting a revelation this morning. That's why Pastor Bob has pounded it in us for 15 years that you are, longer than that, that's how long I've been here, but you, know, if you are the minister. Guys, I love you, and I know some of you have come and said, why don't we have more, more miracles, and why don't we have more words of prophecy and speaking in tongues and see the acts of the Spirit and more in this, in this because it would be chaos, if every person in here all of a sudden came up on stage and gave something, it would be chaos and nobody would want to be here. So when we come to the temple, we, we got to have some leaders that lead us. But guys, 
it's to lead us to send us back out again. Pastor Rob, can I have five more minutes? You ask, you shall receive, people. So, you guys still with me? Do it. <laughs> Charles McGee wasn't here today. He's usually my timer. So let's go to Acts 2.42. You want to see something amazing and powerful as we end? Are y'all enjoying this? Let's read it together. All the believers. Okay, how many? All, All of them. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Number one. To the fellowship. To the sharing of meals. Isn't that great? See, those Baptists, they know what they're doing. That, hey, it's in the Bible. We got to have some meals together. Praise God for the Baptist church. And number four, what's the last one? What, what is the one thing we can't get people to go to? Including Zach Davis. God forgive me. Again, this sounds critical, but I'm not trying to be. Stay with me. Is there anything about a song service? Is there anything about self-help, motivational speeches? Is there anything about just sitting there? Guys, the revelation this morning I hope you get is that all of you have a place to use your marvelous, beautiful giftings from God if you'll just form small groups. But you know what, Angie and I, I'm the elder over small groups, you know what we have the biggest issue with? Getting people to lead them and to host them. If we could just get more hosts, we would have more of this. And you wouldn't feel so lonely and depressed all the time. You'd have people that know you, that care about you. You wouldn't leave here because you don't feel like people care. Guys, this is not the forum for that level of relationship. This is where we all get encouraged. This is where we all feel motivated to go back out and minister to one another and then minister to the world. It's not a spectator sport. So let's continue and we'll wrap up. A deep sense of awe came over them all because they were doing those four things. You with me? You see that? Can I just go back to devoted? All the believers devoted. All of all, hello, all of the believers devoted themselves. You know what devoted means? It means I am all in. I burned the bridge a long time ago. I'm not going back. I'm staying with these folks. I am staying with these folks. But today, if we get our feelings hurt, we just drive down the road and go to the next church. I almost said the church's name. <laughs> it's not that church, but just any church. <laughs> right? Guys, they devote, They said, I'm in this thing with these people because everybody else in the world is trying to kill me. But well, we don't have that today. We're spoiled rotten. They had to have each other. Everybody else was trying to kill them in the early church for their beliefs. But it says a deep sense of awe came on the fear of the Lord. By the way, the fear of the Lord is not being afraid of God. It's being afraid not to be with God. A deep sense of awe came on them all. And the apostles, here we go the Pastor Bobs, the Dr. Leons of the world, performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Some, are you seeing this? There's a progression in scripture, guys. Because they did those four things, they were devoted to those four main things, guess what? Fear of the Lord came, 
People revered God, and then what happened? The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. So this is what I would submit to you, charismatics. If you want to see more miracles, we need to be more devoted to each other. Verse 44, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. So as Lauren comes up, play some music, I want to ask you a few questions. Who knows you? My heart breaks for some of you because... The church for 1,500 years has not done a very good job. Not in this church. Thank God. That's why we're here. But in church dumb. Can I say in church dumb? Kingdom. We've made all of you feel like you're just supposed to sit there and spectate. And that was enough. But I'm here to say today that at Church the Harvest, we're going to be a church of small groups. And can I just make a declaration that I'm going to say that the devotion to each other is going to increase and we're going to see those signs and miracles that we all want to see. Maybe you're not healed because you're not spending time with other believers. Maybe your son is still estranged because you're not spending enough time with other believers. Maybe you don't feel like you're being fed because you're not spending enough time in believers. Can I just be real clear and honest? Folks on Facebook, you can watch this later. And we're going to put it on Facebook because the message of the gospel has to go out. And we're going to use every form of media possible. Amen? Guys, it can't replace us playing cards for six hours. Let me ask you this. Is it entertainment or a relationship? You're going to get sorely disappointed. As amazing as our worship team is and as amazing as our speakers are here, guys, we just can't compete with $200 million budgets from Marvel. This is not going to be that place. You're not going to get more entertained here. I'm sorry, you're just not. We can't compete with that. But what we can compete with is if we're devoted to each other, miracles are going to break out. That's going to get someone's attention. You want to be entertained? Let some miracles start happening. Are you event-driven or people-driven? Is your first thought, when do I get out of here? What are we going to do? How long do I have to go? Or is it, I'm going to spend my evening, my morning, just to be with my friends, my fellow believers? Are you a spectator or a participator? Is your gift being used? And if it's not, guess what? It can be. Start a small group. Come talk to me and Angie. We'll help you. Last one, are you a giver or are you just a taker? Let's see, okay, so I've been critical of the church leaders for the last 1,500 years, but now let me be critical to the saints. 
Why did you ever feel that it was good enough in God's eyes to just sit there? We're not saved by works. We're saved for good works. That means we have something to do. And we can do more together than we can do separately. So I'd like to ask everybody to stand up this morning. Prayer partners, would you come forward? If we could bow our heads this morning. If you don't know Jesus, none of this matters. This was not a very relevant message to you. Because in order for you to experience the kind of family I've been talking about today, you got to know Jesus. So I want to be real bold this morning if I can. If you don't know Jesus, would you come forward and talk to one of these prayer partners? If you've been estranged from the flock, from the group, if you haven't been part of the congregation like you know you should, why don't we bow our heads and why don't we all pray this together? Father, you are a father and you have a family, the family of God. Forgive me for feeling like I can do this on my own. But Lord, I want to open myself back up today to your family so that I can see the changes I need in my life so I can experience the victory that comes from being part of this miraculous body. I repent. I ask that you'd forgive me and that you'd empower me to use my gifts for you. In Jesus' name. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.